Had a great episode today. Buy now, pay later, a hot topic, which we talked about with right. Mark from, right. uh, and, and then you, of course, followed up right after that uh, about buy now, pay later as well. And I loved, uh, you know, you had uh, some really good advice on dual pricing. Would you like to um, put a little yes, bit of Yes, absolutely. So been a, been a really hot topic. I've started this whole debate on social media about it. In this episode, I actually tell you this is what it is. This is what dual pricing is. This is how it works. This is how to implement it. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how simple this transition is going to be. Um, but I'm really excited about, of course, this episode is sponsored by Valor Paytech, who, right. by the way, has a dual pricing option, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but uh, go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R, and check out their fantastic set of terminals, gateways, and omni-channel device. Excellent. Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm here today with my good friend, Mark Beauchamp. Mark is the CEO of EnableFinancing.com, among many other things. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for jumping back on. So it's so interesting, Mark. I was thinking about the last time we did a podcast interview, which was some months back. And we were talking about, I don't even know if we use the words buy now, pay later, but mm -hmm. we were talking about this idea of financing. And I feel like since that interview, Every other story in the in the payments industry is about BNPL, buy now, pay later. Yeah, yep. so it's everywhere. <laughs> you got in just like you started this company, literally the perfect timing, I feel like, as you got it to the, to the point where it was ready to scale. And then I would imagine you're enjoying riding this wave. So talk to us a little bit about kind of where you're at, how the company's doing and, and this kind of wave of BNPL that we're seeing today. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, I just left the ETA show as well. And right. it's the one of the buzzwords uh, around the industry, but, you know, I look at it as either there's different terms, right? Like POS finance or embedded finance, buy now, pay later, right? Uh, either way you look at it for ISOs and agents, it's just another really great way to support and service their clients and also create an additional revenue stream. And, you know, people that that's what credit cards do, right? They break large purchases down into smaller payments so people can in, enjoy their service or product now and pay for it over time. And the, the buy now, pay later wave is just kind of the terminology pigging, right. piggybacking off of financing. But, you know, it was really set up initially for smaller size transactions and in the e-commerce realm, uh, like with people like Affirm and Klarna and Afterpay, right. you know, really, really took off to some of those younger folks that didn't have a credit card. Yeah. So, you know, I love that you brought that up. And, and of course, we're going to dive into the details of kind of where this fits in the ISO agent, you know, ecosystem at, towards the end. But before we do that, let's dive into this a little bit more of, of kind of this trend of buy now, pay later. So why is it important? You know, you mentioned credit cards. Well, yeah, you know, we there's credit cards. So, of course, some people don't have credit cards, but I think more and more, even the younger demographic is starting to get, you know, some kind of a credit card to get them started. Why is buy now, pay later so hot? And why do consumers you know, care about that versus like other forms of financing? Yeah, I think the buy now, pay later, when it started, it, it really allows a younger person in many cases that want to use their debit card. And if I look at, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged guy, but I look at my kids, they don't, most of them don't use credit. They have credit, but it's all on debit cards. So a lot of these mm -hmm. buy now, pay later allows them to, break a two, three, four, $500 purchase into four payments, no interest typically. So it's very attractive to them. And it's got a different kind of credit review than you would, you would need or go through to get a normal credit card. So they can either just put it right on the debit card. It's easier to apply for. 
and obtain in the checkout process. So it's all integrated right into the shopping cart or the checkout. So just makes it really easy for them to use, easy to take advantage of, not have to pay interest, and they can break it over payments that might coincide with their paycheck or their or their biweekly payroll check they get in their bank. So let me follow with that just a little bit to clarify for our audience that may not understand this model. So when you say, you know, no interest, you're breaking a, a large purchase up into three, four, five payments. How is there no interest? How is there money to be made? You know, I'm assuming here that the merchant is bearing kind of the brunt of that. So talk a little bit more about kind of like, how does this work behind the scenes versus say a, a credit card payment? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a little bit of a different model. So the merchant does bear the brunt. So whenever you have a promotional offer or a 0% offer, typically the business owner is bearing the cost of that promotion. So a buy now, pay later, depending on the program, and they're all over the map now. And, and what's interesting is they're raising the caps, they're raising the payback terms uh, on a lot of these uh program. So now people can start buying higher ticket items, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 out to two, three, four, five years in terms. So typically the merchant will bear the cost of that promotion. Buy now, pay laters. It's normally on the smaller ticket under 1K, breaking up into four payment, normally a merchant fee in the six to eight, 10% range. And then the company that you're working with typically will have some type of revenue share for the referring partner. And I guess the obvious logic here for the merchant is that while people have their credit cards, there's a lot of um, you know potential clients who don't have the cash. They're not willing to, to use up their available credit or use their available cash mm -hmm. to make this particular purchase. But they know, hey, if we use this, we're still going to get whatever, you know, 92%, 96% of the money. And I'm assuming also that the, the cash flow implications as well, right? They're also paying that, I'm assuming, because they're going to get this money all up front from a company like yours, and then the consumer is going to pay your company back in essence. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, the merchant's going, instead of maybe 3 3.5% on a transaction for a credit card fee, they're going to pay a little bit more, but the 0% promotion drives a lot of behavior, breaks it up into four little payments. So, you know, it's interesting as you get, you get younger people buying purses, jeans, jewelry, you know, some will even do uh, nutritional supplements. So if they're on a tight budget, they have a hundred dollar pair of jeans. They want to pay 25 now, 25, 25, 25, no interest. Yeah. It works out really good and it promotes more e-commerce activity and they might not have that open to buy, or maybe they're saving that credit card for an emergency. And it's almost to them like paying cash since right. it's only three or four payments, yeah. uh, it's easy for them to manage and just comes right out of their, right off their debit card or out of their checking mm -hmm. account. So very easy to use. I've, I've one other like totally off the wall question that I just thought of. So I'm just curious. So how does this work as far as a credit check? In other words, like as this proliferates and, and, you know, these shoppers are doing buy now pay later over here and then somewhere else and then somewhere else and then somewhere else. I mean, how does that work? I'm assuming these are not like hard credit checks or otherwise you wouldn't that drive your credit score down or how does that work exactly? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. They're all a little bit different how they do it. So some are soft credit pulls and you can get different scores from the bureaus okay. without having an impact on, on their credit. So yes, we would okay. want to do a hard pull. And, and I think, and you know, I'm not an expert on the small ticket stuff, but you have a lot of younger people now that are in three, four five, six of these, right? They're, right. they're purchasing online Right. And once they're in the system with one of the big ones, they're going to automatically be approved oh, with sure. that merchant. 
And the good thing is the merchant typically isn't going to bear a loss on that transaction either. They pay the 8% and the buy now, pay later company, if they don't collect, they will follow up and get repayment for that. So there's not a whole lot of liability on the merchant side either for non-payment. Interesting. Okay. All right. So then I, I, I you went into the weeds enough here. So that's good. I just, I was curious <laughs> about some of the, some of that stuff. I was like, I, I all of a sudden realized I didn't understand that as well as I was thinking I did. So, all right. I think we've got that. Now you've alluded to this already a little bit with kind of different verticals. So talk to us about that. What types of businesses are embracing buy now, pay later. Um, and then also maybe even which ones are kind of new to it that it's like, I've, I've been surprised seeing some of the verticals that are going after this. So talk a little bit about the kind of the best market and then kind of some of the newer ones, you know? Yeah, it's it's literally all over the map these days, but traditional e-commerce is great for buy now, pay later. Certainly you want to make sure the solution you're reselling or working with will integrate with the shopping cart that the customer's using. So, you know, you've got a lot of merchants these days using Shopify, building their own stores out, uh, maybe WooCommerce as a gateway, mm -hmm. lots of different options. So, a lot of those vendors have buy now, pay later opportunities already for them. Once they, they put their store on Shopify, they'll hit them up, of course, for a merchant account probably and for a buy now, pay later solution. But you can bring that solution to the table if you're working with one of these vendors. Uh, the other thing that uh, we see a lot on the vertical side, so e-commerce, and then we work a lot in healthcare, patient payments, there's a few people, it's called, uh, I think they're calling it TNPL, Treat Now, Pay Later. I don't know if you've okay. heard that term, but sure. uh, we're developing a product now with a very large healthcare provider, dentist, orthodontic, you know, cosmetic surgery, med spas, uh, for the lower tickets, you know, sub $1,000, where someone might want to pay over a four pay with 0% interest without really, really strong credit profile or wanting to use their debit card. So that's a new product we're developing. And we also have a credit card product, believe it or not, that we have a four pay, buy now, pay later, 0% option mm -hmm. on the credit card. And what's interesting about this is it's a text to finance product. So let's say that you've got, I don't know, a home improvement contractor maybe, and he's trying to sell a $5,000 deck, we can get them instantly approved on a new credit card with a four pay 0% interest. But traditionally that, that customer would have to wait in the mail to get their credit card, right? You apply, maybe you take advantage of a promotion, you get the credit card in the mail a week or 10 days later, you might've had buyer's remorse, you might've changed your mind, you may not have right. wanted to move forward with that sale. We allow that card to be instantly issued on the spot, and that contractor can text the customer, do you approve this $5,000 sale? They reply back, yes, and the funds are on the way to the business owner within 48 hours, just like a regular credit card transaction. So that's a pretty cool higher ticket uh, product that would fall into the, the buy now, pay later category as well. And, and that's where we see for us, we do a lot of the, the e-commerce, but a lot of our stuff is longer term, higher ticket, the home improvement vertical, the medical. We do some high risk, which we can talk about in a few minutes, but that's been a really good vertical for us. The five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar ticket that we can finance over a two or three year term. 
What about, so I want to talk about enablefinancing.com a little bit, because I know that's, you know, uh, a really interesting platform. And there's, it seems to me at least that there's kind of this trend where, you know, especially coaches and you mentioned, you know, home improvement, things like that, where they're trying to kind of customize their own, like, this is the financing options that we want to provide. And we want to provide it in our own way with our own kind of landing page and whatever. Talk about that and and how you're facilitating that with enablefinancing.com. Yeah, that's a good point because a, a lot of every customer's unique, every merchant's unique. They're looking for maybe a different promotion, a different term, but then you have to weigh the underwriting side of it. You know, some right. banks don't want to loan on products like coaching, which is really time, right? There's not a whole lot, uh, no, no, not a whole lot of a good passing hand. So right. what we've done is we've gone out, we have 12 to 15 different banks. We have a chartered bank, uh, a real bank program. We also have finance companies we work with, and we've created Enable Financing to really give them that opportunity for a merchant to sit down with one of our consultants and say, look, here's what I'm looking for. Uh, I might have a financing program I'm happy with, but I need subprime financing, right? I need, uh, we've actually got a program where we can approve 100% of the applicants and we work a lot behind people like Care Credit or Wells Fargo, where, hey, you get a great prime credit customer that comes in. They want 12 months, no interest, very low fee, no problem. Put them on your program you're using today. But if they get declined, we can pick up a lot of those, uh, those declined applications. And depending on the industry, we can approve 100% of those, whether they have a 400 credit score, a 500 score, or no credit we can approve them all. And that's really what's taken off uh, for a lot of our coaching clients, our high risk. We have a lot of high risk merchant guys that send us business like coaching, business opportunities, uh, tax resolution, legal, CPAs, that type of stuff uh, that we can approve all of them. So it's, it's, been, uh, it's been really, really, really successful for us and for our customers. I love it. So I have one more question before we kind of pivot to talk for a few minutes about kind of specifically how you're working with the agents and ISOs and kind of where they fit into this ecosystem. Um, talk about the future of, of BNPL. You know, you're right there, you're in the midst of this and the rest of us are kind of looking a little bit from the outside. I mean, where is this going? Like how big is this going to get? Is it how many, are there going to be a lot of new verticals that are going to accept it? I mean, where do you see this going over the next you know 24 months or so? Uh, I mean, it is literally blowing up and, and, from everything that I see, you know, MasterCard and Visa are creating their own programs. Uh, a lot of the big card brands are creating their own programs. If you've logged into American Express, they already are offering some short-term mm-hmm. buy now, pay later. So uh, it, the only thing that bothers me when you see something blow up this fast is I feel at some point there's going to be some consolidation. Yeah. And you saw, I think the last uh, big purchase I saw was I think Square bought Afterpay right. for like $29 billion. Yep. Uh, so I think it's going to continue to expand and grow rapidly, yep. but yep. you need to pick the right partners and just look as a, as a sales partner, you just look at your current portfolio. And I always tell people to kind of align the financing offer with the type of merchants that they specialize in, right? So if they're yeah. offering cash discounting to automotive repair centers, hey, let's find a financing program, a buy now, pay later, or a short-term program that will serve the auto repair industry. And you can kind of put that solution together and really, really offer a strong product uh, and promotion for those merchants. So there's no end in sight. The la- last thing I read 
uh, the other day, we're at five to six billion a year. And by 2026, it could be as high as 50, 55 billion a year on buy now, pay later wow. uh, products and payment plans. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up Square because that's a perfect segue into my next uh, kind of, you know, uh, pivot here is I want to talk about the agents and ISOs. So the way the way I look at buy now, pay later uh, is obviously it's a big opportunity, you know, for for the agents and ISOs to make money. Right. But I almost feel like even even more than that, in some ways, it's one of those things where you need to offer it, because if you don't, your merchants are going to go try to find it. And as you pointed oh. out unfortunately, the odds are they may find a buy now, pay later provider that is tied in with a credit card processing company yep. or a non-processor agnostic technology. Um, so talk about, you know, enable financing, which, which again, I know you created that with the ISOs and agents in mind because that's your background. Talk about how you work with the agents and ISOs and your take on why they should be interested in this and why they should be putting this top of mind right now. Yeah, I think what we've noticed, and, and as you know, we've worked with agents and ISOs for many, many years, and they're always looking for something unique. So this is one of those products where you, you almost have to have it, and, and it's just like a, a point of sale or cloud-based POS years ago. You know, a lot of the guys have been in our industry, they, they, weren't, they were being dragged into point of sale systems. Yes. They wanted to keep selling terminals. Right. And now you almost have to have a point of sale offering right. uh, in your bag of tricks to compete with Toast and Square and all the other competitors in the marketplace. So it, it's good to have a financing solution, an embedded finance solution. Also, if you're working or work with software vendors like ISVs and integration partners, uh, we have an API for certain verticals and mainly around healthcare, but you know, if you've got an API where you can plug in financing into their portal or their practice management system or a larger cloud-based system from, you know, you go from one to many, uh, it's a great revenue opportunity and those accounts are going nowhere. So, you know, if you're doing, working with ISVs, payment integrations, payment gateways, uh, it's a great solution for you. And it's just another offering that you can earn some significant revenue on. You're, and you're typically going to make on a longer term finance product, an installment product, you know, anywhere from 50 basis points to 150 basis points on every single loan that runs through that operation. So it, it can be significant. Well, I love it. Well, uh, this has been so interesting, Mark. I always love talking to you, uh, but especially this topic, I think is just such a hot topic right now. And I love that you're right there in the thick of it. And I love that you're giving this other option to our industry uh, that, you know, again, I feel like it's just so, so important for agents and ISOs to support companies like yours that are willing to work with them, that are trying to create programs that give them opportunity um, versus, again, the competitors. And so I think this is a, an essential tool for those ISOs and agents that want to learn more um, about partnering with you in this uh, endeavor. Where would you send them to learn more? Yeah, just visit our website, enablefinancing.com, and there should be a partner option, and please complete that. Uh, we'll get back with you. Someone from our partner team can walk through the program, make sure it's a fit for you. Uh, the other thing that we do, realizing that a lot of ISOs aren't finance experts, mm -hmm. we'll help you close your first two to three deals for you. So if you want to submit the leads, our team here in Houston will make that sales call for you with you on the line. Will handhold your client, walk them through the options, uh, and actually help you with the paperwork on the first couple. And then after you're comfortable, you can move on from there and hopefully close your own deals 
uh, and start generating your own business. But we do have that available. Larger ISOs, we've got all the training put together for your team uh, and can certainly help you with a product launch. You're going to see us with a couple of pretty big ISOs here in the next two to four weeks, uh, launching some programs out to the healthcare vertical to start as well. So we're, we're excited. I love it. Mark, thank you so much for taking time today to join us and sharing some insights on Buy Now, Pay Later. Awesome. Thank you, James. Thank you, everybody. Well, hey, uh, you know, Patty, before I get into my uh, questions from the field, which I talk mm-hmm. about dual pricing, probably a good right. idea to highlight our sponsor, Valor, Valor Paytech. Paytech. They have dual pricing as a feature. And we're going to talk more yes. about it here in just a minute. But I want to clarify that because this is a processor agnostic mm-hmm. omni-channel solution. And they have dual pricing on the gateway side in the terminal. I actually just talked to Eric about this yesterday. They're excited because they're kind of ahead of the curve here. They already have everything yeah, they, they need. they really are. Yeah. And so processor agnostic, we've been talking about it for a long time. I'm telling you, if you're still out there placing other terminals, you know, you're really missing the boat. And so stay tuned here as I get into the questions in the field. I'm going to talk more about this. But remember, if you go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R, you can find more information about Valor Paytech, which is the terminal that we're describing in the questions in the field today on dual pricing. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. So Patty, um, Visa recently put out a memo um, about Mm -hmm. non-cash adjustment programs and the fact that they do not consider these programs compliant. In fact, they they consider them non-compliant surcharge programs. Um, Not that that's any surprise to anybody, I don't think. Um, We predicted it. What was, yeah, yeah, back in January, I specifically talked about it. And, and I should mention at the beginning here too, we have already recorded an episode where I do a deep dive into this topic as well. Um, but we weren't able to put that one out yet because the person we interviewed is doing a legal review of, of everything to make sure that everything we said was good. So I wanted to just address this right now because I made some uh, social media posts on LinkedIn and Facebook about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the memo that was a little bit surprising, a little bit new was that Visa basically is, you know, this memo went to the acquirers, the, the large processing right. companies that are moving the money and right. said, we want to see a list of every ISO you have that is doing cash discounting or surcharging. Mm-hmm. And we want to, you know, we are going to send mystery shoppers out to the merchants for yes. these ISOs to see how they're doing it. And if they're doing it in a certain way, we, you know, we are going to require the acquirer to kind of shut that down. Okay. Right. So these are no longer what I would consider empty threats. Um, you know, as a possibility, it could still kind of skate by, but I, I think we're at a point where it makes sense to revisit. Okay. Um, so um, these programs are now going to be considered not compliant. I believe it's time to make a transition. And the transition that I've talked about online is this idea of dual pricing. And I've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, what is dual pricing? How does this work? So I just wanted to lay it out there and describe this particular approach 
And I'm going to give lots of caveats today because, again, this is an evolving situation. I'm having a lot of conversations with people directly connected to Visa, people directly connected to the acquirers, big consulting clients. I'm having a lot of conversations. Meanwhile, I'm inundated with agents and ISOs that are trying to figure out the right approach. And so I just want to give you kind of the state of things as I'm recording this now. And I'm sure I'll be doing a big live event in the near future to talk more in depth once I feel really confident with everything. Um, So here's the deal. Dual pricing is an interesting path forward. Now, there's a misconception in the industry that, well, dual pricing means it always means we're going to change the price on the shelf and the menu. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that's that can be part of it, but that's not what I'm advocating for. Right. So what I'm advocating for is actually really simple, and it goes along with our sponsor, which we talked about in the commercial here with Valor Paytech. So Valor Paytech has a processor agnostic terminal. Again, as do other devices have the same feature, but there is a feature called dual pricing on different devices. There's a few devices that already have it. I have a suspicion that most will have it soon. And Mm -hmm. when you enable that feature, what it does is it grosses up whatever amount you put into the terminal. So if you enter $100 into the terminal, then it's going to display to the cut to the consumer a $104 card price mm-hmm. and a $100 cash price. Mm-hmm. So this is very, very similar to the non-cash adjustment. The economics are identical. Right. Um, the signage is different. The display to the consumer is different, but the mm-hmm. economics are the same. We are still taking the, ca- the cash price and we're grossing it up. But Here are the important differences and why I think this is a really good path forward for us as an industry. Um, Number one, there's no line item on the receipt. Yes, I think that's the key. That seems to me to be in the visa memo, what they're most concerned about. Is that that line item? Well, whether or not it's what they're most concerned about, it's the thing that they can pay the most attention to easily. Yeah, true. Right. right. Um, I think they're what they're most concerned about. And we should state this because I think there's confusion about this too, Patty. I don't think people understand. What Visa is actually, it's like, why does Visa care, really? You know what I mean? What's the deal with this? Well, the reason Public they care, perception. the perception, and they don't want consumers to become aware of the cost of acceptance, mm-hmm. um, especially not an inflated cost of acceptance, mm-hmm. because then that's going to lead to potentially legislation and regulation yes. around the cost of acceptance because it's now directly impacting consumers. I mean, as if mm-hmm. it wasn't before, but now the consumers are aware of it. You know, that's going to become a problem. And that's what Visa actually cares about. They care about the perception, right? Right. But in this context, as far as the compliance to their rules, what they're allowed to enforce, if they get a receipt and that receipt just says credit price $104 and there's no line item there, and they see a sign posted that says we offer dual pricing with a separate cash and credit price, Mm-hmm. I mean, that is compliant. I mean, in Sounds fact, compliant to me, you know, not only is it compliant, it is compliant to the extent that Visa in a previous memo specifically said we support dual pricing. I mean, they literally like, I don't know if that's that was true. exact verbiage, right? Right. right. But that's what they said, that. you know, now the, so, so again, I think everybody would understand that this is a fairly trivial change. Now, if you're not using Valor terminals, if you maybe haven't been listening to us on the podcast for the last two years and you're not using Valor Terminals, um, then you may have a a sticky situation. This is funny, Patty. This is a great uh, little plug for Valor. You ready for this? Just got off the phone with a friend of mine that we've had on the podcast, has a large Uh company, Uh has been doing cash discounting through non-cash adjustment for a long time, has a huge portfolio. And through our recommendation, and actually I think through an agent recommendation that knows us or whatever, has been using Valor all along, Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He reached out to me. Oh my goodness. You're telling me I got to go to dual pricing. What does this mean? And we talked for a minute <laughs> and I said, what do you, and he said, I'm using Valor terminals. I said, okay, let me explain what this means. Right. You need to go into the terminal and you need to change a setting. Yep. That's all he needs to do. 
And he's like, seriously? Yeah, I said, you have to change the sign as well. But he's right. like, oh my goodness. He's like, you just made my blood pressure drop. Like that's okay. <laughs> All right. Now I'm good. You know? So yeah. So if you're using the Valor terminal, that kind of thing, you know, you just literally go in and change it from instead of a non-cash adjustment that's displaying as a line item, you just have dual pricing that right. is going to gross it up. And it's the same economics. You, again, right. you got to change the signage, which I'm going to come out with uh, what I believe is compliant signage soon. Um, you know, and so we got to come out with that. But, you know, that's really it. Now, the question is going to be, well, wait a second, James, hold on. That's not dual pricing because now on the shelf in the menu, all that's displayed is the cash price. Okay. Well, number one, who, you know, what law or legislation or rule says that you have to display both the cash and a card price on the shelf of the menu? I'm not aware of such a ruling. Now, in New York, they do have one, actually. But other than that, I'm not aware of one that specifically states that. Now, does that mean Visa is going to consider this compliant? Not necessarily. They may not consider this compliant for the merchant. But what we have to understand about Visa in this particular pickle that we're in right now is that Visa is very good and they have a lot of leverage at coming after ISOs through acquirers. Right. That's what they like to do. Yes. It's Why? Because to do it that way. <laughs> because the acquirers and ISOs have all signed contracts that state right. that they're going to abide by Visa core rules. Yeah, and, and it's easier to go after them because of those contracts. It is. And because then you're going after, you know, 10,000 merchants at once. Mm-hmm. Right. Visa's not good at the whole one at a time game. That's not their no. thing. No. So by doing this, we as an industry, ISOs, Payfax, ISVs, et cetera, et cetera, we are saying our system is compliant. We are doing dual pricing. We are showing the cash price and the card price to the consumer. So what we are doing is compliant. You know, our sign right. is compliant. So now whether or not the merchant chooses to adjust the price on the shelf for the menu, well, that's up to the merchant. Um, I personally am not going to advise them to do that, re- you know, proactively. But don't but, you think if, but, if, it's, if it's a merchant like a restaurant, okay, I mean, they have a small set of set of prices. Yeah. It would seem to me for them, it would be just as easy for them to just go mark up all the prices. Well, it's actually not for two reasons. Um, okay. The first one is that printing menus are surprisingly expensive and, and you know, there's a little bit of a cost there and a little bit of an inconvenience for the merchant. So now selling merchant services, which is already not the easiest thing in the world, suddenly does become significantly more difficult because it's like, in order for me to sell you, you need to go okay. reprint your menu. You so there's a little bit of the there. Okay, I, I, I see that. Yeah. yeah the, other, the other almost more important thing is, think about it for a second though, if you were actually this, let's say you're a restaurant owner. And let's say you sell pizza for $3.95 a slice. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to print on your menu that the card price is $4.23? Or are you going to, you know, so, so it's not quite, you wouldn't really do that. Like, especially like on a, on the shelf of the retail store, it doesn't quite make sense. I mean, you could do that, but it's a little bit off-putting, I think, to the consumer there. Whereas if you display the cash price and they see the cash price, and then when they go to pay, they can choose to pay that price. I mean, it's not deceptive. But if they choose to pay the card, they're paying the higher price. So there's still a differential in pricing. Now, now again, to clarify, I do think there will be some scenarios very rarely where a consumer complaint or a mystery shopper will initiate an issue. Mm-hmm. And Visa is going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not dual pricing. And they're going to send something to the ISO or the acquirer and say, hey, this merchant's not in compliance. Well, the ISO, the people in our audience are going to say it's compliant as far as we know. Yeah. Our system is compliant. I don't know what the merchant's doing. That's their business, right? Now, in that situation, Visa is now stuck with an interesting proposition, 
Mm-hmm. Are they going to start fining individual merchants because they're not complying with their, you know, their, uh, you know, clamping down on free speech? Um, maybe they don't want that particular PR battle. I'm not sure, but I don't mm-hmm. think they do. Mm-hmm. But if they do, they would send the merchant and say, hey, you have 60 days to make this adjustment. Then the processor could work with that specific, you know, one out of a thousand merchant or whatever to say, hey, we need to make some adjustments. We got to reprint menus. We got to change, you know, we'll pay for you to reprint your menus or, you know, whatever. And you can work with those merchants on kind of a case by case, you know, basis at that point. Well, I think your point is well taken. I mean, Visa, like you said, doesn't like to go after just one organization. Yeah, they really don't. Um, they want to go after the ISOs and acquirers. Right. I could see them using it, though, as a scare tactic for really small merchants who don't know better. Of course. And again, though, that scare tactic, the, the best that they could do with that scare tactic would be you have to implement dual pricing on the shelf in the menu. Right. That's it. I mean, right. they, they have no other cards to play. Then the ISO could say, look, Mr. and Mrs. Merchant, you have one of two choices. You can reprint your menu and reprint your prices on the shelf, or you can do compliant surcharging where we're only going to add a fee to credit. And those yeah. are your two options and let the yeah. merchant decide which way they want to go. But again, I want to clarify my personal opinion. I'm not a, an attorney. This is not legal advice, but I mean, my personal opinion is that is going to be exceedingly rare. And the mm-hmm. reason I I'm confident with that is um, I know several large choirs that are doing these programs and they're getting virtually no compliance complaints and they haven't for years. While my other consulting clients that do non-cash adjustment get them on a very regular basis. Interesting, um, interesting. But they do get them on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is an approach where I think in the consumer's mind, you know, you think about it, even with, when you're ordering at a restaurant, it's not like you're actually adding the items up in your head that you're getting. You might not, but actually I do. You do. Okay. Well, I don't. I, I, I'm into numbers. So I, <laughs> sure, I just kind of sure. like do it, you know. Sure. But I think, I think the idea here is from the consumer's perspective, this dual pricing, even if it's just at the point of sale, in mm-hmm. their mind, it's just a transparent experience. And yeah. They may feel a little bait and switch, but it's mostly like they're not going to complain and say, hey, I don't think they're supposed to add a surcharge because we didn't add a surcharge. We gave you a choice, cash or card, and you chose card. Right. And I think there the important thing, too, is to train the um, employees, you know, the staffers at the merchant to ask when somebody comes up to the counter, will this be cash or credit? You know, they used to ask that all the time. They don't anymore, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, add that to your to to your vocabulary, um, right, right? And then you're out. You don't have a problem. Yeah, and you know one of the other terms I'm trying to wrap my head around, and I made a mistake today on the call that I, I had to correct myself is I'm I'm so used to saying cash and credit as well, but we got to start saying cash or card. True, that's true. Cash because, or card because right? this because is going to gross debit, up for debit right. as well, yeah, and it's got to be careful. True. And even on the signage, yeah. you can't say the cash price and the credit price. It's got to say cash and Either card. Card and cash. Yeah. Yeah. So True. anyway, but but so so here's the thing. Big takeaways. We have a little bit of time. I think it'll be 60 to 90 days at least before we see anything really significant happen here. I really do. I agree. Yeah. We have some time. Um, secondly, we have a solution, I believe, right now. And again, you know, I'm I'm still early in the process, but right now my opinion is, you know, use like a Valor Paytech type terminal. Um, right. you know, all you gotta do is you know, the dual pricing feature. It's you know, we talk about it already in the in the commercial and all that. So, you know, do that um, or something similar. Others, other solutions have it as well. I'm going to try to come mm-hmm. out with more and more information about that. A lot of point of sale companies already have dual pricing. One of actually, uh, 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 cloud, uh, was it a retail cloud? I think they emailed me uh, this morning and said, Hey, we're going to put out a marketing email that mentions your, your uh, post. Cause they already have dual pricing, you know? Um, so there's a lot of point of sale companies that already have it. Um, and right. so you just got to do the dual pricing thing. I think it's, this is a minor tweak, you know, in order to stay compliant for a program mm-hmm. that's 
making all of us making a fortune. a lot of money. <laughs> now, this is really not a big deal, everybody. We just got, instead of doing a non-cash adjustment, we got to go do a price on the terminal. And then again, as let's see how this develops. If we have to go further than that, we can go further than that. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Well, James, as a follow-up to your interview with Mark, um, I wanted to report on the latest nude he headlines from the buy now, pay later space. Sure. Uh, MasterCard just announced that it's expanding its BNPL offering, which it calls MasterCard installments, with uh, eight new partners, including several large um, retailers like uh, Bass Pro Shops. I have to admit, I love those kind of places. Yeah, um, I do too, Sack, yeah. Sack you know Fifth what? Avenue. Last time I went well, to Bass Pro Shop, they had one of the best restaurants. I'm like, what do you really? Like, yeah, I was like, why is there a restaurant in the Bass Pro Shop? And so uh, I don't even know why on earth I was there. I'm like the least outdoorsy guy ever. And, uh, and I live in central Pennsylvania, so I really don't fit in very well. Right, right, but, uh, right, right. You know, I don't know why in the world I was in there. It was a long time ago. But anyway, and I was like, oh, man, they had the best fish. Anyway, totally off topic. Well, interesting because they, uh, <laughs> they recently merged with Cabela's, which was always yes. my favorite place. Yes. In fact, I used to always go to the Cabela's near Harrisburg when okay. I would travel back and forth to New York. So, um, and I yeah. just love like the bigness of the outdoors. Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> so they have them, they have Saks, they have Walgreens, they have H&R Block. They also partnered with a handful of boutique, boutique um, banks and um, banking platforms, you know. Um, it's, you know, the thing about a MasterCard installments, which is, you know, every one of these buy now, pay later things is a little bit different. Right. Um, the way they, you know, they implement it. So this lets consumers digitally access BNPL offers either pre-approved through their their lender's mobile banking app or through an instant approval process at checkout. And then pre-approved installments can be used directly on a merchant's website, uh, stored in a digital wallet or in an in-store environment. And payments get made through, which I thought was interesting, through a single-use MasterCard virtual card. Mm. And it comes with the same zero liability fraud protections for consumers that they get when using credit cards. That, I believe, is unique um, yeah. to MasterCard installments. Mm -hmm. They had somebody on a panel. I was at the NEAA uh, earlier this month, and they had one of their people on a panel. And she said um, um, that the um, one of the biggest selling points is this you know, zero liability. For the consumers yes absolutely and for the merchants it's it really doesn't require any new technology right you know um right so you know clearly consumers like buy now pay later a new report from moody's investors service predicts buy now pay later is it is probably the biggest growth driver for both uh paypal and block which of course is formerly square yep um Afterpay, the buy now pay later arm of Block had a 21% market share of, in the U.S. for BNPL last year. Mm. Um, PayPal um, claims 400 million active users worldwide of its pay in four product. Wow, goodness! Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but and that's interesting because even though they have four million, 400 million of these, Moody's estimates they only have about 11% share of the U.S. buy now pay later market. Wow. Uh, um, and, um, at 71%, PayPal saw those, saw the most growth. 
last year. They grew 71% last year. Wow. Um, so here's, I just wanted to quote from Moody's. They say the strategic approaches to buy now, pay later products can differ across providers and markets. But to date, many approaches have been successful in the strongly growing environment. Leveraging the ubiquity of the card networks in their own large customer bases, the banks are well positioned to cost efficiently offer point of sale installment products to merchants with synergies from integration into consumers' financial um, live centers and other banking products. Yeah. Um, it's, it is worth noting, however, that um, state and federal regulators have begun to raise concerns about buy now, pay later. Um, you may recall that I reported, I think it was like earlier this year, that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau had announced a fact-finding mission of sorts, uh, seeking right. information from the leading providers of buy mm -hmm. now, pay later. Yep. Uh, you know, they said they were, you know, the agency said it was concerned that some consumers may um, use use it use this vehicle to rack up too much debt right right as an aside i i think i reported last year to to to, to our listeners um a survey by uh credit karma um mm -hmm. that found over the survey of over 3300 adults um found more than half of the younger consumers that 18 to 34 year old crowd uh who find these most alluring um that over half of them had missed at least one payment. Mm, really? Yeah. And I think that's because they also found like 40% of them had multiples of these products. Right, sure. And yeah. that's where I think, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that the CFPB was looking at, like, or, you know, in terms of racking up too much debt because you're not really doing a hard um, inquiry. You're doing like a soft inquiry with the credit reporting right, agencies, right? right? Sure. Um, but, uh, so here's, I just wanted to give you a couple of interesting data points I found. I went online, started reviewing some of the comments that the, uh, CFPB got. And yeah. the one that, the one that jumped out to me was from, um, I believe it was 23, a tw the attorneys general in 23 states combined and put this letter okay. out. It's, yep. Okay. So it's a pretty substantial New York, California, all the yeah, right, are in right, there. right. They noted that since 2018, there has been a 300% increase in the number of consumers who have taken out buy now, pay later products. A December 2020 survey found that 42% of Americans had used a BNPL service, which I thought was a very high number. Wow, that is high. Okay. And loan volume in the BNPL sector jumped from an estimated $3 billion in 2019 to over 39 billion in 2020. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. and you know, and everybody said that the, we saw a huge surge and I couldn't, could not get data for 2021 yet, you know, for the whole industry. But yeah. everybody, you know, in this business will tell you that they saw a huge surge during COVID. You know, right. with people, yep. you know, being, um, having their, 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 their uh, financial, lives sort of uprooted and looking for ways to afford to buy things. Yeah. Um, huh. And uh, they also, um, you know, so the AGs uh, raised some concerns about the fees and charges, you know, that, that consumers pay for being late, you know, the impact on consumer credit scores and the perceived lack of chargeback uh, disclosures, uh, chargeback capabilities and disclose and various disclosures. Yeah. 
Now, I also thought it was interesting that, you know, to, to note that earlier this year, the three major credit reporting bureaus announced that they would begin incorporating BNPL data into their reports. Mm. Okay. Uh, in fact, the electronic ETA in its comment letter suggested this was significant because it has the potential of helping consumers that are new to credit, that have a thin credit um, report, uh, those with lower, or those with low scores to help boost those scores. So that's huh. sort of like, you know, looking at, obviously the ETA wants to point out what's good about these things. Sure. The attorneys general want to point out no, what's bad. bad. I wanted right. to come and give everybody for a feel for where, the, yeah. where that's going. Huh. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's such a hot market, like we were talking about with market. It'll be very interesting yeah. to see how it plays out for sure. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing how this plays out. I, it's, I'd like to refer to it as the 21st century version of the layaway plan. Layaway, yep, absolutely. Yep, I remember the layaway <laughs> program. So, Well, good stuff, Patty. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Sure thing, James. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.